Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your host, Prince, also known as Head Knight, alongside me, we can, David. Hello, Swoop Children. Children of the Swoops. <laughs> also known as Nightly. Brady is still not here. Probably not going to expect him this month as well. Still taking a little bit more time, which is completely understandable. Um, but when he is coming back, y'all would probably be the first to know because you heard it here. <laughs> but we are still a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that pre- takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So sit back, hit the lights, and let the darkness envelope you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a wood. Okay. And we are coming in here with a brand new motherfucker month. And this month in particular is... Uh, more possession horror month and more more like traditional possession horror month. I did this for you, David. Thank you. I, I felt bad. I felt <laughs> real bad on the last one that I gave you. Um, I know it wasn't quite what you expected. That's but okay. this one is 100% in your bag. This is all possession horror films that are very, very traditional in the traditional sense. And this month is motherfucking coin. Call the priest. Because <laughs> <laughs> we need them here now. <laughs> but... Before we even start discussing the film that we are planning on discussing, I want to give a special shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a K. Frank, Kit, Kristen, Laura, Bragalock, Spencer, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Eric, had to swallow, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne, Carrie, Stu, Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, Drew, also known as the Silent. Also known as our podcast manager, Scary Stuff Podcast, Patrick, uh, well, Jessica, Jared, Jasmine, Chantal, Rio, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, and last but certainly not least, Freddie. Thank y'all all so much for supporting this show, supporting the dream, supporting us. Truly, thank you so much. If you would also like to support us, or if you're on the fence of supporting us, you're just kind of like, uh, I kind of want to see what you guys have to offer first. You can officially sign up for a seven-day trial on our Patreon at our $5 tier. If it sounds like something that you would really like to enjoy and continue supporting us on, go ahead and continue this uh, after the seven days, and it will kind of pick you up from there, and you can sign up at our $5 tier. However, if you would like to even go um, up or below, up to you, you can go ahead and do just that. There's a whole bunch of great stuff that is a part of it at every single tier level. So by all means, feel free to do the tier that is best for your budget. Now, the film that we are going to be discussing this evening is 2012's The Possession. First and foremost, David, thoughts? I didn't remember that I had watched this in theaters until I was about 10 minutes into the movie. And I was like... I watched this in theaters. <laughs> um, you know, on pace with the theme, this is a very traditional possession movie, and I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, um, sure. Sam Raimi, right? Like the, Sam Raimi produced. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's just that. There's levels to this one. That flavor <laughs> there that it's just it's almost like comfort food, right? Sure. Um, I enjoy this movie. Uh, I think that. <laughs> It it could be a little campy in its presentation, but I I enjoy yeah. that. Right. Uh, and I think because of 
being there. I know this is a 2012 film, but it feels like a mid 2000s movie. And right. it's nostalgic for me, yeah. Uh, just because of that, even though it is 2012. But um, do I think it's the best movie ever? No, but I actually really enjoy watching it, and I have a fun time watching it. And I think this movie does some pretty cool things. It does some cheesy things, right? But very enjoyable. I enjoy it. I think what's great is um, as I watch this, even though I don't remember my theater experience, there was moments where I was watching this, and I thought to myself. This is designed to be a theater experience. There's certain moments, right? Where it's like this lends itself so well if you were in that environment. And a lot of the scares are um, tropes from its time. Yeah. Right? Um, But it brought me back and I enjoyed it because of that. That's fair. Um, I... This was actually my first time watching this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I remember this movie... And I thought I've seen this. And as I was watching it, I was like, nope, never seen this. <laughs> um, so I started kind of diving in a little bit more and doing a, a little bit of like some research on this. Because I, 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 one, I didn't know there was like Jewish lore. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that either. I was just like, the, and that to me came out of so left field. It did. Yeah. I was just like, wait, what? Hold on here. <laughs> like I've I've heard of like Dybbuk boxes before. Mm-hmm. I thought they were phony. Um, turns out I was right. They are phony. They are they like this was totally a made up thing in like two thousand and one of this okay. pass on, passing down of this box that was sold on eBay. Which oh. is how I got the idea of it wow. being sold in, in this film. Uh, but this was uh, based off of um, a book, and I can't remember the book's name. Um, I, I would have to look for it to see see if I can remember the name of the book. But uh, it was based off of a particular book of the last owner of this Dybbuk box. And they had so many crazy experiences that they decided to pretty much profit off of it. Wow. Um, so they're the ones who kind of made Dybbuk boxes famous. And uh, now the box is in the hands of uh, Zach Baggins from uh, Ghost, Ghost Adventures. Oh, wow. So... He has the book <laughs> or the box. Yeah. Um, and it was like a whole thing kind of going on where he was going to open the box up on Ghost Adventures on a live show. And he was like, tonight, <laughs> live, we're going to open up this box of demons and it's going to pop up and we got a rabbi here and he's going to tell us what's up. And I guess what happened is that the rabbi was just like, hey, I know this isn't in the script, but and they cut. They they, what? they cut and they went straight to other different things, and they didn't open up the box. Oh wow! Uh, whatever this rabbi told him, he was just like, "This is bullshit," and like, yeah. <laughs> and like this this means nothing. This <laughs> box doesn't do do anything. They're, they're, we don't have this in, in Judaism lore. So I thought this was very fascinating. So I, I went on Twitter, um, and I, I posted it. I was just like, "How relevant is the lore in this movie mm-hmm. for Judaism?" and and uh, a lot of people were just like, it's not. Yeah. Like, like it's not. And they gave me a podcast to listen to, uh, which I started. I didn't finish it. I got maybe 20, 25 minutes in. The uh, podcast was called um, uh, Haunted Objects. Um, and it's a couple that is doing this. I've never heard of this podcast before. Very polished podcast, though, uh, mind you. It's, it's, they have a whole set design and everything. It's, it's wow. a fucking really nice podcast. But um, yeah, so. 
they talked about it a lot more in depth than obviously we're going to get into because we're just going to focus on the film. We're not going to focus on divot boxes or anything like that. Obviously, both uh, David and I are not Jewish, um, so we're not going to really be talking on the Jewish aspect of it, but we are probably going to talk about how weird it is that it felt shoehorned into this film. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. And you know what? It's It's interesting because I feel like we weren't sensitive towards or more aware i should say about um people's backgrounds and cultures and especially how they're represented in media until maybe the late 2010s right so this is very much coming from a time where you still kind of seeing it utilized as like a plot device yeah for sure and and that's exactly what this feels like like this feels like is a plot device to uh give this movie another life i guess or or exactly. or, or different uh, initially with this movie okay i think i uh, understand what this movie is exactly supposed to be this movie was supposed to be the jewish exorcist movie i could see that and just like the exorcist obviously the exorcist in my opinion is pretty much untouchable um but which, it's very christian based right exactly yeah very catholic based very christian based it's very de- like completely swept with christianity um, and the possession, the exorcist, the possession, <laughs> um, very much, it seemed like that they were trying to have this be the Jewish version of the exorcist. However, they didn't really lean into the Jewish aspect that much. We got 20 minutes of like, you get into culture. it very late, <laughs> very late. Yeah. Like, the movie's pretty much done <laughs> Yeah, at that point. So you get, you get into it pretty late. And by that point, I it, it just feels like like what is happening mm-hmm. here? Like it just it just felt it felt unnatural the way that it was um, positioned in here. Now I have no idea if Ole uh, Bornadol I think is how you pronounce his last name Bornadol. Um, I have no idea if he's Jewish. Um, I did not look that up. Uh, I I I don't know. But this was just interesting to me. That's all I'm saying. And it sounds like it was interesting to you as well. Mm-hmm. So it's safe to say that this was just interesting to us that they chose um, Jewish lore to kind of bring that on in. Um, now, if y'all want to watch a really good Jewish lore horror film, watch The Vigil. That is a great movie. <laughs> and that does like Judaism. I, I, I assume respectfully because a lot of Jewish people in a horror community were talking about it in, in very, very high praises. So, hey, take that for what you want, but I thought it was fucking great, and it was scary. It it, it kind of spooked me a bit. <laughs> definitely got me. Definitely got me. Anyway, you want to talk about this shit? Let's do it. Let's jump into this. The Possession, directed by Ole Barndahl, released August 31st of 2012, which... David was there. Runtime of one hour and 32 minutes with a budget of $14 million and a box office of $82.9 million. That was uh, quite surprising to me. I remember this in theaters. Like I said, I thought I watched this. Yeah. <laughs> but I I didn't think that many people watched this. I remember it being heavily advertised. Like... I I do too. Yeah, it yeah. was... I was in college when this came it out. It was the, like, the, the Halloween season movie to watch. 
Which is interesting because it came out in the summer or like right before fall. Did it not come out in like, well, I feel like that's when they start coming out, right? Like you yeah, have that period where. That, like, September. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, this, yeah, I, I do remember this movie being super heavily pushed. I remember the YouTube videos after this movie. Like a, a bunch of people were just like, got a Dybbuk box from the dark web. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Like I remember stuff like that. You know, what's really interesting when you brought that up about how this movie was made just from the story of someone kind of utilizing the box, right? Yeah. And it was passed down three times on eBay. Yeah. But right. It's taken a moment in pop culture and creating a movie out of it. And right. we remember the movie more now because it's a movie. Right. Versus the moment. And that still happens today. I wonder, it's going to be really interesting in like a couple of decades when we're like, I remember the movie, but I don't remember the pop culture moment, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I feel like this was still very niche. Probably. Like, yeah. like, like you had to be like one of those people who really enjoyed looking at like, supernatural stuff mm-hmm. online and stuff which i was i was very much a fan of that yeah um so that's how i remember like dybbuk boxes which is why i thought i saw this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it's so much so that it, like a mainstream film got right adapted from it right? yeah well that that's wild to me yeah like that's that's pretty wild but the rating of 38 percent on rotten tomatoes i guess i didn't say how i felt about this movie yeah i was i was curious yeah um i think i have i think i know but i would let you share yeah i I thought there were moments in this movie that worked better than what the movie actually does, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I, I think the movie's okay. I wouldn't say, like, go run out and see this. <laughs> but I thought it was okay. Um, I, will I watch this again? Probably not, to be honest. I'm a sucker for these types of movies. Like, I know they're very I okay. love possession horror films. I know they're okay, but it's like... Like I said, it's comfort food to me. That's fair. No, yeah. and and, I, and you know, I, you know, I thought I like I said I thought I saw this movie, <laughs> and I thought I remember liking this movie because um, even when I would see people talk about it online, I'm like, oh yeah, that movie fucking ribs, and, like, and then like <laughs> I started watching, I was like, I've never seen this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I so you know, I thought the movie was was okay though. Ultimately, but anyway, I do want to point out though when it first opens up, I miss the red lion's gate mm-hmm. and yeah. the ghost house pictures yep. slamming the door with it's the nostalgic skull. that was like oh, yeah oh, that's that's warm that's nice we opened straight to the title shot in a line about the film being based on true events that was the book i was talking about yeah um quote this is what happened to one family over the course of 29 days end quote would you call them a family like they didn't seem like they cared for each other that much you're talking about like the kids and the yeah. divorced parents. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are technically, they are technically a, family. a family, but they didn't—they uh, didn't like each other. <laughs> uh, while we move into the house of a woman named Eleanor, who is whimpering as she s- stares at a Dybbuk box with Hebrew characters etched on it, and indistinct, ghastly murmurs of someone singing in Polish. Question mark? I don't know. I I did it in Google Translate. I held the thing up. So yeah. I was like, I have no idea what this person is talking about. <laughs> um, and it said Polish. So interesting. Well, okay. Um, she tries to touch the box, but it shakes, um, stopping the murmurs. She puts on a cassette tape, wipes her tears, and goes to fix her hair. A clump of her hair falls out. This is right off the bat. Great. I agree. Like, and this is great. You know, originally I thought she was turning up the music to. Drown out the whispers. Yeah. And with her looking all upset and kind of crying or wiping her te- her eyes. Yeah. It's like she's just trying to 
ignore it. Right. But and that's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. I think this is pretty strong. I think so too. Yeah. I, this opening had me in. I yeah. was just like, I don't think I've seen this. <laughs> <laughs> she decides and grabs a hammer to smash the box. Meanwhile, a car pulls up to the house. She continues to slowly raise the hammer as the murmurs begin again, forcing a stroke onto her before violently being thrown to the ground, bones cracking as she bends inhuman, inhumanly backwards. Her son, Russell, knocks on the door, calling for her as she as he overhears the commotion. She finally smacks her head on the side table. He comes into the house screaming at the sight of his mother. This was a strong fucking opening. I agree. And I wish the movie kept pace for me with this, but... Either way, like, there were still some really strong, scary moments in this movie. Yes. Like, not just this one. This there was, was just a really solid opening. Yeah, there's a lot of strong, what I would say is commendable, like, horror moments in this. But there also is just some awkward, like, offbeat, like, like phrases of dialogue or, yeah. like, acting choices. Yeah, that's um, Or just quick shifts but like moments like this right this is like a reason to watch this and you get kind of more of this sprinkled throughout the movie true absolutely cut to Clyde some, he's our protagonist coaching in the, uh, his college high school I, I couldn't tell those are middle school kids <laughs> <laughs> elementary <laughs> a basketball team during their practice uh, I couldn't tell if they were college or not but there was like a professor he goes to see later it has to be college then. Then it right? has to be college, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, Coach, how do I have the pleasure? Yeah. Also, also, like later on, there's like there's like a physical therapy floor in the hospital that they use, so that sounds more college. Right. right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, he teaches them a lesson about being silly during practice with an invisible ball. He heads home greeting his daughter Hannah. Thinking that she's talking to him, she ignores him as she is on the phone walking toward the car. Fuck teenagers, I'm saying. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> His ex-wife, Stephanie, greets him with bags at the door. She mentions that he's late. He excuses that practice ran late. He comes inside the house. She tells him to remove his shoes at the door. I thought the practice ran late line was really genius here to tell us, to give us a lot of context clues of, like, he really loves his job. Yeah. Like, he he's 100%, like, in, in at a point where it's just like, well, I don't have my wife anymore. Sure, I have my kids, but... I mean, before your kids, it's 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 your significant other, right? So mm-hmm. it's just like, for him, he's just like, I, this is all I got. Like basketball, coaching these other kids are my life right now, even though I have my kids. Yeah. So that's a really good point. Yeah. So I thought that was a really, really, really uh, important line here. Um, but uh, shout out to both these actors, though. Um, what's what's the guy's name? <laughs> uh, something Morgan. Something Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Really enjoy him in Kira Sedgwick. Really, really like both of these actors here. Um, I didn't think they were that strong in this film, though. Like, I, they felt like they were acting. You know, if... The kids, I, I think the kid who plays M. Great. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Crying on command and shit. That, I, I, I was sold. <laughs> I think I think for how they were probably directed was very much on key for what was desired in for 2012 yeah, for like I a agree. horror film, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's more so on like how they were directed. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kyra Sedgwick, I believe she's married to uh, Kevin Bacon. 
Um, but her daughter is Sosie Bacon, who was the protagonist in the new film, Smile. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, got a nice little lineage going yeah. on here. Um, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan, we all know him as as Negan, or if you're a fan of Supernatural, he was Sam's and, and he was a, the other Winchester. I don't know. He was their dad or some shit. Anyway, he notices this, that, that his old office space has already transitioned to her pe- passion project for selling costume jewelry. Clyde asks about uh, his things being in there. Stephanie already packed a um, and boxed everything for him. Offended, he tells her that he sh- that she should have allowed him to do that from his office. She reminds it reminds him that it's not his office anymore. Okay, so we find out very quickly they're divorced. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're trying to establish <laughs> through this dialogue. He goes upstairs to greet his daughter M, asking if she's ready to go. She's focused working on posters to fight the consumption of meat. She asks, uh, "What is what is a better slogan?" He chooses one, and she shares that if if they get 200 signatures on their petition, they will be able to have meat-free Mondays during lunch. He sarcastically comments about that making her popular and rebuttals that they are one big family on this planet and shouldn't eat each other. It's really establishing how like sweet and innocent of a person Super M is, right? Super innocent. Super innocent. Very sweet. And I love this establishment of their relationship, too. Mm-hmm. Like... You could tell he cares for his daughters. Yeah, and not only that, Emma is more engaging and probably has a stronger relationship currently than right. uh, compared to Hannah because Hannah's like older and a yeah. teenager. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and she probably took the the divorce extremely hard. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure both of them did, but like, um, I I don't know how this feels, but I'm I, I would assume it kind of sucks. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, so like, I don't know. Um, my dad was an organ donor, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, back downstairs. Fuck you, dad. Back downstairs. Clyde's <laughs> greeting by Brett entering the house. He tells Brett that the house is a shoe-free zone. Brett already knows since he's the one who put, who got the sign. Stephanie comes in uh, to greet Brett. Clyde wondering what they are doing tonight. She shares that they are going to a concert. Brett adding that they are going to see Wagner. Clyde uh, sarcastically questions her about loving Wagner before heading out, letting her know that he'll have the kids back Sunday. She she acknowledges, reminding him to keep an eye on M's allergies since the since she came back with, back in hives. Continuing to lecture him on giving them only healthy foods and no pizza, he admits that he's going to he's excuse me he admits that he's got it. Before hopping in the car, she tells her kids um, bye and that she loves them. Inside the car, Hannah is looking at her teeth in the mirror, commenting that Brett told her that she has an overbite. Annoyed, Clyde comments that her teeth are fine, and that's how he makes money. She rebuttals that he told her that he'll fix them for free. M notices that he uh, he passed his apartment, but he knows. He takes them to the location of his new house. Hannah argues that they are in the middle of nowhere. He understands, adding that little critters come, come right up to the doorstep. M is stoked and ready to head inside. Anna mopes as she follows along. It's just like okay, you live in the middle of nowhere. You're here on the weekends. What, what are you? What are you trying to do? And honestly, would you prefer going to an apartment than like right this than an actual house? house? Yeah, like, you know, when we get to this developing neighborhood, that's when it clicks for me. I'm like, I've seen this. I've thought about this movie many times in my life, and I'm always like, what movie was that? Because <laughs> I remember this neighborhood. Now you can put a name. Yep. To this image. Uh, you know, it's funny because at this point, I still think that I've kind of seen this movie yeah. um, at this point. And, you know, I, I think it, it's when it gets to maybe the middle of the movie where I was just like, I, I don't actually I don't think I've actually had context of this film. But with 
this portion here, I like this establishment that they are kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it seems like it takes a little bit for him to drive there. Um, it doesn't seem like it's just like a hop, skip, jump away from Stephanie's house. Probably, right? Because it's it's like a developing neighborhood. So right. they're probably expanding the city out. Yeah. Um, Is he the only person that lived there? I don't think so. I think there was a couple other houses that were know. done around him. Yeah. Um, it was weird, though. I, I wonder why they went with this direction of like, it's a new house. And I, I wonder why it wasn't just like he just lived there. But <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like maybe they just. I don't know. They could have just made it like creepy. I guess. Yeah, it's like know, like maybe it's just like new development equal, equals creepy. I guess I don't know. But what I but really remember about this film, watching it for the first time in theaters and like the advertisements and stuff, it's it's like M running through the streets and being under the street light, and it's like an empty street, and yeah, it's because the, it's developing the neighborhood. Moths. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I, that. All that stuff I remember. Yeah, and that's why I thought. I saw this movie. <laughs> you probably like. You probably stepped in the theater waiting for another movie to start. Maybe stepped out halfway. Maybe like that. That is quite possible. Because I, mean, I was in college, so like that is some shit that I probably would have done. But yeah, I, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know this movie. I thought I had more recollection of it. He quickly shows them around, letting them know that their their rooms are upstairs and runs up there, calling the room facing the woods. He agrees as she notices the dog door, pleading for them to get a dog. Quick cut to them eating um, pizza together. <laughs> I'm thinking that their mom would uh, like this house, wanting to invite her over for breakfast. Hannah reminds her that they are officially divorced as of three months ago. Clyde calls her off, but she continues that M, th- M thinks that they're going to get back together. He explains that they forgot how how to get along uh, with each other. She understands that they are both moving on with their lives, that being what their mom says. I mean, she moved on quick. Yeah. <laughs> three months? Yeah, it's like three or four months, like... I'm dating and they're cool, right? <laughs> like Clyde's cool with the boyfriend or like supposedly like they're like on speaking terms right, and all that. Yeah. Like he, they know each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so weird to me. Um, I mean, granted divorce takes a while, right? Like it I does. Mean, divorce takes a long time. Officially so like, divorced for three or four months. Right. Right. And also if like the whole conversation is Clyde has been absent. So like you would think like she's already felt alone while they were together for a while. Exactly. So she's ready. Yeah. She was, she was just like, I need some attention. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're not providing it. I need some attention. He, he questions her saying um, that they both, Oh, excuse me. He questions her saying that. They both nod. He reluctantly agrees. Emma's no longer hungry. He allows her to clean off her plate. She gets up gets up from the table. He reprimands Hannah for saying that, telling her not to say things like that because it will ill upset Em. She questions him blaming her before angrily storming off. I mean, she had a point. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I think the writing here, the dialogue for the kids sometimes is... it's. <laughs> Very much, very much feels like a man wrote this. Yes, you know, yes, yes it does. Uh, I am curious now who wrote this, but yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, the, it was uh, Juliet Snowden, Styles White, and Leslie Gornstein. Um, Styles White, uh, oh god. Not too many great movies under the belt with that <laughs> one. Uh, you got Ouija from 2014, and then you got Knowing from 2009. Which Ouija is that? Is that the one that is in the past or in the present? That's the one that is in the present. That is not the good one. You know what? 
comfort food for me. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one I think that has like an eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Eight percent. It's been a while since I've watched it. I think I I saw its worth because it adds context to the <laughs> second one. Uh, six percent. <laughs> I gave it a little bump. Six <laughs> percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, I did. You know. I would I would say I would agree, but that movie, the second one, stands alone perfectly. <laughs> it does. I just always love extra context. That's fair. No, super fair. Yeah. Uh, it was just Olivia Cook was just a lot. They made her just really dramatic in that movie. I'm yeah. Just like, yeah. Calm down a little bit. Like, <laughs> it's been a while since I watched it. So uh, I mean, you're not missing much. So like, I don't think you like need to rewatch it. Or <laughs> anyway, I digress. Get to him playing with his daughter before bed about not telling her mom about dinner. She asked for him to leave the door open before leaving out. He wonders if she is scared. She claims uh, to not be, but she wants the door open. Next day, they are driving down the street. Hannah spots a yard sale, telling him to stop so he can get some dishes. He agrees as he as he's on the phone checking his voicemail from his friend Trevor. He tells Clyde for him to co- give him a call back because he wanted to run something past him. M calls over to him to look uh, to look at her while she while she has a hat on. She notices the Dybbuk box next to a bunch of other antiques, thinking that it is cool. Picks the box up, asking her dad if she can get it. What? Yeah, I know. I think it's weird that she like gravitated towards this. Like, you know, like, oh, it would have been interesting if like the box murmured to her and she was like in a trance. Yeah. But like, we didn't get that. Like, she just thought the box was legit. Like, whoa, this is the coolest fucking thing I've seen here. You know, like, originally I, I was going to have the take of like, eh, this seems kind of like weak writing because it's just like the kid saw the box and the kid wanted the box. But like, after meeting Bella, she was that kid that'd be like, I want that old box that has <laughs> that has really sus energy around it. It looks so old and ancient. <laughs> so look at the history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I could see like kids like going in like a Goodwill or something, right? Like yeah. it'd, it'd be like like, oh, this cool tray. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> you know, but it's interesting. I, I thought this was just ultimately just really weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> just like, add a little more context. <laughs> Please. Maybe, like, something. Maybe she collects boxes. Like, something. Some weird quirk uh, to make this make a little bit more sense for yeah. myself. Or just start throwing in the paranormal shit now. You know, like, you know, just, just have the murmur start and have her, like, in a trance and, like, kind of gravitate towards it. It's implied, right? Yeah. Something, something is is drawing her in, and but we, we just don't see it on screen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He agrees. Russell charging him $55. Clyde only has $48, and that's good with Russell. A woman named uh, Nurse Patty pulls up, to, which is interesting. I don't know why they named her. Because, like, it's not like she really had a line here. She just... Speaking of, rooting. this this is... Moments like the, 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 this, like, where she's staring. Scary. It's unsettling, yes, but it's just so forced to me. And you see a lot of movies from the 2000s and 2012, like that, around that period. This is when horror films still was having a rough leg. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I... I love the aughts. I love the 2000s horror films. However, just because 2000s was the hidden gem era. 
I agree. Like I, I, I think you have to really kind of dive in in the 2000s and find some gems in there. Um, but we did get a lot of shit like this. Yeah. Like, you know, where it, it, it was very much like, we are making this movie for fucking profit. Yeah. Like, we're trying to make some money. We're trying to scare <laughs> people, and what's scarier than a nurse staring at a kid? No context, no reason. That's just like, you little bitch. <laughs> Watching that film from start to finish, there was no reason for that. It's unnatural. Why would you so do that? Weird. It's like, what the fuck? Look at that little kid. It's like, I hate children, <laughs> and you're in my way, but even was, though we're this far apart. It's so of the times. It was very odd. Yeah. Very odd. And I, I uh, it, it works. It, I agree that it is forced. Yeah. But I do agree that it also is it's just like, uncomfortable yeah it's just like a point mystery exactly like, even though we mystery. never see her again yeah but a woman named nurse patty pulls up to the house start um staring over at m as she enters the house clyde and, and it's more of a glare <laughs> clyde wonders why they are selling so many things russell mentions that a couple of bills came up meanwhile m goes over to uh to the window spotting eleanor all bandaged up in the bed she's slightly frightened at the sight of her eleanor turns toward the window and screams <laughs> <laughs> Again, something that's very much at the times, but I enjoy this, right? Because this is great. the context is like that little girl has the box. No, um, I love that. I know I'm it's still cheesy. On board, yeah, here. like I'm still very much on board because uh, she starts banging on the windows yeah. at, at M and M runs away. Nurse Patty comes over to the window, quickly closes the blinds again. as she's staring daggers <laughs> at her. Like, I told you, you little bitch, if you come around here again. You know, it's so funny because uh, myself in 2012, I, I, <laughs> let's, I'm going to be honest. I'm a lot dumber in 2012, right? <laughs> we and, all were. <laughs> um, I don't we thought the world was going to fucking hit. Come on. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> um. But back then, I don't remember. I'm maybe I should give myself more credit, but like I don't remember if I saw this moment. I'm like, she's <laughs> freaking out because M has the box, right? Or sure. back then, was I like, what the fuck? <laughs> that old lady bandaged up. That's scary, right? <laughs> so, um, I think this is something that is great for casual viewers that maybe don't look too deeply into like why this sure. is happening versus like it's a scary moment and especially if you're looking through the lens of a kid i don't know why you'd watch this as a child um it's like pg-13 okay there you go so, right yeah um it adds a lot of that scare factor when you're looking you're looking at it through the lens of m and like being a, a like a 10 year old 11 year old and be like People are scary, right? Old people could be scary to some kids. I know they were for yeah. me. And then yeah. bandaged old people <laughs> banging a window is even scarier. It's a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Back at Clyde's house, Em is enamored with this box. Still don't understand. Clyde is trying to fix something. He requests uh, for her to hand him a tool. She hands it to him, reminding him that he promised her to help her get the box open. He looks at it, noticing that there there aren't any seams on it. She doesn't understand. He mentions that somebody doesn't want, want it to be open. He shakes it, um, noticing that there's something inside. His phone vibrates. She comments that somebody had to have opened it before. It's Trevor. Um, she pleads for him not to take the call. He tells her he tells her that he has to, getting to speak with him um, as she continues pleading. He snaps his finger at her for her to be quiet as she listens to what Trevor as he listens to what Trevor has to say. The snapping of the finger thing is just so rude. I agree. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor tells him um, that he, uh, he has a coaching gig for him to move up to the division in North Carolina. He's stoked, agreeing that he's interested. Okay. 
So I, I thought this was also interesting. We got this whole context here of, of him having this new job opportunity that sounds like it's going to change his life, right? Um, but he has to leave his kids behind because he's in New York. They're in North, or yeah, they're in New York. He would have to be in North Carolina. The thing that doesn't make sense to me, and I think this was just for movie's sake, um, just to give more context for our characters. Why are we adding so much fluff on I our agree. characters? Um, I truly thought the whole time about him being a basketball coach and all that, completely unnecessary. So unnecessary. Not he just needed to be a dad. Exactly. And <laughs> like, I mean, you see... Sure, give him something to do, I guess, but like... Do you see these two homes and how big they are of these kids going back and forth of? Like, I'm sure they could have flown the kids out to North Carolina right. every weekend. Like, like, <laughs> no yeah, biggie. They definitely have the money. Um, like, a, a single like person, a single dad, like, buying a whole ass house by brand himself. new house brand new in a new neighborhood a new, in a new neighborhood right yeah. like let's just like driving a bmw fuck 2012 yep the market wasn't great dude like yeah. like, like <laughs> we're coming out of a recession it was no biggie <laughs> <laughs> but like you know no we were still in the recession at that point yeah no that was not a good time these but, kids yeah. are like 10 12 13 right both have iphones or something yeah. i know i know hannah has an iphone hannah for sure has an iphone yeah so it was, this was super intriguing. Like, you know, I just didn't understand why we had to have so much fluff for these characters. Like, yeah. and we had no fluff for the mom. She was just the mom. Yeah. It's for movie sake. Like you said. Right. So yeah. like, I just think it was for movie sake, but I thought it was a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to hit that hour and a half runtime. For real. Like, cause this, it, without it, this movie easily would have been like. I would say like maybe 80 to 75 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it definitely didn't need all this other stuff. While Em is asleep, she wakes up to the members of the box. She gets up, grabbing it and taking it to, uh, to bed with her. Her gown gets caught on the side of the box. She pulls her arm hard, opening a slit of the box, causing the whole box to open up. She opens it further. Little trinkets inside. The wind becomes still around her. Fucking cool. Really cool. I'm, I'm in. She she ignores it, continuing to grab things outside of the box, eventually finding a molar, which she oddly smiles at. She's like, oh. She's called to it. True. And <laughs> chuckle from it. She decides to go back to uh, to bed with the, with, the, with the box in hand. Now, granted, this makes more sense because the box murmured to her. Yeah, exactly. So, like, this makes more sense as to why she would sleep with the box, right? Because now there's a bond here. It's funny because this is the first time we hear the box murmuring to her, right? Right. I couldn't help but think of scary movie moments. Just like, <laughs> right? And I hate that. I hate that I had to bring that up. Uh, but it kind of <laughs> takes it away, right? It does. It yeah. does. I'm, I'm glad it didn't pop up for me. Uh, <laughs> it does for Scream. Like, scary movie has ruined Scream for me. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. Uh, the next morning, the box is still slightly open on the bed next to her. She's startled awake by Hannah screaming. Her and her dad run run out of the rooms to check on Hannah. Hannah yells that it is underneath her covers. He moves the covers back, exposing a large moth-like bug. Immediately, he smushes the bug with her shoe. M calls out uh, to him for killing it while Hannah is upset that he killed it on her bed. Both girls leave out of the room upset. He's just like, what did you want me to do? Like, <laughs> cut to the sisters in the garage as Hannah pulls some music introduced... 
uh, play some music, introducing herself to start dancing. M is totally not interested. Once again, it was just like, what the fuck? M is totally not interested as she plays with the ring on her finger. Hannah checks in with her. She tells Hannah that she's, uh, she feels funny, almost not like herself. Hannah feels like it is because of a divorce, knowing that she would feel better if she stopped giving a shit. Fair. M stares at her, stare, uh, M stares at her, um, and while she just gets back to dancing again, she's just like, all right, cool. <laughs> I said my piece. Clyde <laughs> drops them back off at their mother's. She excitedly asks how their weekend was as Hannah immediately spills the beans that it was good and they had pizza. Before asking about Jen's, um, Jen's mom for, uh, to, uh, excuse me, before asking about if Jenny could come over. Um, Stephanie tells her that she, uh, that she is going to come over, letting her know that she, that, uh, letting her know where her clothes are, wanting her to always take one of her, excuse me, I completely wrote this incorrectly. My apologies. Let me try to reread this with the phrase in my head. Stephanie tells her that she is going to come over, letting her know that she, uh, put clothes on her bed, wanting her to take some allergy pills due to the food she ate over the past weekend. They go back inside the house. She frustratedly uses the analogy of one of his players having a food allergy and how pissed he would be about it. He asked, um, for her to cut, to cut him some slack before wanting, wanting to head inside to get, get his boxes inside the house a bread is in the kitchen cooking he wonders what's going on with them um and if he's moving in so what if he is my guy what are you gonna do about it true yeah like it's not your house anymore it's not it, obviously the, the, she won the house so, yeah. <laughs> so like what are you gonna do feels like more fluff too though Right, it does because it does. This was her side story. Yeah, she has the the new boyfriend. Shortly after this, uh, he's grabbing the boxes, and they're all like, <laughs> and they're all going to the dinner table, and just ignoring him, not inviting him. I'm like, damn, this is just this to feel felt bad. Like family Guy or some shit. <laughs> like, and he's all staring. Like, I want some pizza. <laughs> This was so funny to me. She tells him that they're just dating, telling him to uh, back off while opening the door for him to gather his boxes. He continues talking shit about Brett. She whispers, at least he's, uh, he's present. Ooh, I know, right? got him. He's like, well, I would be more present if you had kicked me out the house. <laughs> they're arguing for a moment before she's over it, whispering, whisper shouting, shouting to him uh, to not forget his things. He grabs the rest of his boxes while his daughter, Stephanie and Brett are all eating lunch together with excited, exciting chatter at the dinner table, ignoring him. It's <laughs> fucked up. Fuck you, Dad. It's not polite. <laughs> it's not polite. Clyde is back at his place, shooting some hoops um, on his lonely ass street before heading inside the quiet house. I mean, this is eerie. Like right off the bat, this would have been a perfect moment for something to happen. Yeah, I agree. But nothing happened because the box is there, right? The box is there, and the box is open. Yeah. So, like, you know, the, with the box being there, the box being open, um. I felt like this was the perfect opportunity to really have something happen here. I agree. But we don't get that. Um, instead, we jump cut to the next weekend. Um, yeah. I'm like actually kind of bummed out now that I'm, I'm really like thinking about this scene in my head of him just shooting hoops by himself. And like it, feel, it felt missing because even the, the cuts here in this whole film are very odd. Like there's a lot of like fade to blacks in this movie. Yeah, like we have our first moment of seeing like this entity kind of inhabiting their world with right. the, the moth in uh, Hannah's bed. Right. And then um, after that, I'm jumping a little ahead, but we get the the scare of them coming home and it there's like 
covered in moths, right? No, before that, were like someone's like in the fridge. Oh, right, right, right. right? And like you said, I think this would have been a prime opportunity to have just something have happen when it was just Clark. Yeah, right. It would have been great. Would have been awesome. <sighs> yeah, I felt like that was just a missed opportunity there. Uh, now the following weekend, he has his daughters again receiving another another call from Trevor about his plane ticket being lined up. Damn, Trevor, you can't call me during the week, <laughs> like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Having the university sending him a car to pick him up. He's stoked as he hangs up the phone. M sharing um, that Hannah's dance competition is next week, wondering if he's going to come. He exclaims that he will be there. Hannah not wanting him to feel obligated since Stephanie will be there. She smiles. He notices the retainer in her mouth. He repeats. Um, um, that her teeth were perfect. Um, she reminds him that uh, that would have been funny if she's like, "Well, now they'll be more perfect, Dad." Just <laughs> like, well, like it's, it's my decision. Like, what, what the fuck you want me to do about it? All right. Like, <laughs> she reminds him uh, that it was her decision, and she doesn't want to go through life, quote unquote, disfigured. He questions. Um, he he questions this as she yells that she is totally dis- that she is totally disfigured before running inside the house. You just don't understand. <laughs> Em <laughs> is scared as she is staring at um at all the silverware on the floor. I feel like this was definitely like her, you know, this, all these lines are just so boomer. <laughs> I agree. They, uh, the writers for this don't know how to write dialogue for teenagers. <laughs> they truly do not. Or they just have a very specific perception of what a teenager is like. Right. Um, during this time. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if watching it in 2012 and if anyone thought what we're thinking now, like this is just weird or just outdated. I mean, maybe, maybe because like at this time, like I feel like Instagram just took off yeah. at this point. In People are very hyper aware with their appearance at this point. Exactly. So, so like they're just like, write it in. Like, <laughs> in yeah, maybe, maybe it is accurate for someone that was presumably born in like. 1999, 2000. Yeah. And being 12 years old. Right. Yeah. Maybe. They call for their dad. He demands them to go back outside. But Oh, excuse me. Um, did I talk about him being scared about staring at the sewer on the floor? No, you just started that. Okay, cool. They call their dad after that. He demands them to go back outside, but they don't. Um, they wait for him at the door um, to see who's in the house. Glass breaks as he cautiously walks over toward the kitchen. He doesn't see anyone. They are all startled by the doggy door smashing as smashing open as something runs out of it. Chopping it up to them, possibly having a raccoon, um, they are relieved. So you this know, was fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, it's a good moment. And you this know, earlier moment. when they when the girls get introduced to the house, Em gets really excited about the doggy door. She does, yeah. And it's very surface level because a lot of movies will introduce like a mechanic that will come into play later, right, to use as a scare factor mm-hmm. or to use as the tool that saves them. Right. The doggy door is uh, introduced as something that is going to be a scare later. And we see it here, right? Like it's very safe, but I like when movies do that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to remember this. I know what they're doing. Right. I want to see how it's used later. I want to see how you're going to use that later. So here's the moment where the doggy door gets used because it just flaps through the wind. And this is kind of confusing with the context of the whole movie. It's like, yeah, this, this entity can't do this. Can't, just yeah. be chilling in the house when no one's home, no, right? Yeah. Um, and eating, like, right. with no body or anything. Yeah. Um, but that's it, it with the doggy door. rules, yeah. Yeah, like, it's like, there was this setup 
and right. it was just used for the small moment, and they just seal it up, and that's it. Yeah, I thought I, we'd I feel get like, more. I feel like that. There's a lot of opportunities um, here yeah. for sure, like, especially with that doggy door. Like, I mean, because we see the creature later, right? Mm-hmm. And it could fit through the doggy door yeah. when we see the size of this creature. So, like, that could have been another moment where we could see this creature maybe fucking crawling down this, like, on the, like, through the doggy door, trying to crawl up the stairs or something. Totally. Like, with the, maybe the, the murmurs or something, right? Yeah. So, like, th- there's a lot of opportunities that I felt like didn't fit this vibe of this film mm-hmm. um, that they chose with. Um, like, with this usage of the doggy door, something that moved extremely fast. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we can write it off to it being an animal, but can. What animal can open a fucking fridge? Raccoons. Can they? Like, yeah, I think they have thumbs, right? They, <laughs> I don't know. They do. I, don't, I think it's like they kind of like Yeah, but it's interesting. Even in the context of it being the entity, right? Like, aren't you supposed to go up to the box, not go out to the backyard? Right. So yeah, but so that uh, I think I think this was for us to really chop it up to like maybe this was an actual animal that came maybe, in. Maybe yeah, yeah, not that. But entity. it was a fucking fast raccoon. Then. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I don't think they're that fast. Yeah, they're <laughs> uh, quick cut to him uh, drilling the door shut, uh, which was uh it was a scare cut as well. Like they yeah. they. Another jump scare there. Later that night, M is woken up by the box whispering her name and slowly opening. In a trance-like state, she slowly gets up. Next morning, Clyde calls out to her downstairs uh, that breakfast is ready. She goes. Uh, he goes upstairs to, to get her, seeing her staring at herself in the mirror of the box. Her reflection showing her face slowly starting to become more and more disfigured. He goes over to uh, to her, touching her shoulder and calling and calling out to her. She looks at him, softly asking him what's wrong. He takes off his glasses, trying to get a better look at her. I've always thought that was so funny to me, taking off your glasses. glasses (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love this moment. I love the reflection. I love how it gets more disfigured as you walk closer because it's like it's like almost like a plasticky looking mirror, even though we know it's it's glass. Right. Um, This was perfect. This is a good moment, and it's interesting. As I get older, I, I I I start putting myself in the shoes of the parents. Yeah. And like, I think I don't want to freak her out. I want to be like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, holy shit, throw the box. (laughs) Like, him calmly walking up, trying to get a better look. Better, uh, shit, but yeah. as he gets a better look, it's more disturbing. It's great. Yeah. It, it, this was really, really good touch. It's a good like, moment. In in the way it it transitioned was kind of like those um back in the nineties. You remember those things that like you would like turn um like they weren't holographics. I know but, exactly what you mean. Yeah, it was like the three D thing. Yeah, and it would change to a different picture. I wish I knew the term for it, but my my I, I don't know the term. N sixty four cartridge of Majora's Mask has it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, so it, it it felt like that, yeah. Because um, it felt very natural, like the way it yeah. did it. Like it, 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 even though I'm sure pieces of CG was used here, it didn't feel like that. Like this st- still looked really good. What's cool is too, like when you get closer, like her mouth widens and kind of yes. like frowns while it's open. That's so and fucking, it good. drops more and more when you get closer, almost like she's melting. Right. It's uh, so good. It's a good moment. It's so good. Like this. This like. This moment's giving me chills, and like right here, I'm just like, oh fuck, this yeah. is gonna be fucking great. Yeah, like you know, like so I'm, I'm like, the scares are gonna be there, <laughs> and you know, and I think the first few halves of this movie is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. It's that last third act that really just throws me off. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Just like I just like this. What the fuck? 
There's, so this movie is all about setup, but not really quite executing. Right. Yeah. yeah. If if the family would have probably been Jewish, I think this would have probably made a little bit more sense. Like like even Orthodox Jew, um, not traditional um, as we come to see later. But like, I don't know. It was just it was it was interesting. Uh, they are all at they are all at the dining table uh, as Hannah is telling a story while Em is violently stabbing at her pancakes, stuffing her face. He notices, uh, telling her to slow down as Hannah continues. In a trance, Em Em's uh, foot swings as she continues stabbing at her pancakes. He tells her to slow down again, but she's not snapping out of it. Um, so he smacks his hand on the table. She then angrily stabs him. Um, and with a fork in his hand, snapping out of it as she frantically apologizes for doing that. He demands her to go in her room and she runs off. Later that night, she is asleep while the box slowly creaks open. And I love the detail of her finger becoming more and more bruised. Here. Oh, yeah. That was great. It's just, it's it's literally that part of her is dying. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it looks like it's, it's decaying. Like decaying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so really good, good touch. Bugs start fluttering out of the box. She wakes up. Meanwhile, Hannah is getting ready for bed, brushing her teeth. She notices the bug fluttering around, but she can't see it as it is um, in her hair. Not making much of it, she opens the cabinet to a bunch of the bugs flying out. One even going inside of her mouth, causing her to gag. This was great. Yeah. <laughs> Clyde comes into the hall asking asking her what happened as she screamed. She points uh, to M's door as the moths are all on the ground in front of M's door. He opens the door to M's uh, to M sitting on her bed with the box. A swarm of moths fly frantically around the room. He picks her up and takes her out of the room yelling for Hannah t- uh, to close the door. The next day they have an exterminator there um, as the girls have Excuse me, as the girl have their uh, their belongings. Inside the car, Clyde asks M if she's okay. She doesn't know what happened. Cut to Stephanie sarcastically calling it creepy as uh, she takes a jab that she she didn't know moths were attracted to pizza and soda. <laughs> you know, something like this has happened to me before. What? Like moths? Not moths. I don't know what they were. But just... You got swarmed? So... Let's. This is the story. Okay. I uh, was going to San Diego many, many years ago for uh, like a little vacation, and uh, we were. I was staying at a like a resort on the beach. Okay, and uh, we were staying at a like beachfront like little suite. Okay, and I guess the previous tenants we had come in the evening. It was nighttime. I guess the previous tenants that were staying staying there left the windows open and there's no screening towards it. Oh, great. So you go into the room and you just see corners of the wall and the ceiling, just puddles of moving blackness. Oh my fucking God. I would have destroyed my life. There's just these bugs and there's like per puddle, right? There's like eight (laughs) puddles on the wall and the ceilings. There's probably like, I kid you not, like four to 600 flies or whatever they are in each puddle of like swarm. What? And it was so disturbing. How were they attracted so hardcore to this room? I don't, so I don't know. I, I, I remember looking it up, but like, because like it's on the beach and like the inside of the room is warm. So they go in there mm, and humidity probably. Yeah. And it was a fucking disgusting, fucking scary. And yeah. Remember calling the front desk? Did like, you hear it? Oh yeah, it was. Oh, ugh, it was disturbing, <laughs> dude. 
Immediately ran out of the room and was just looking in, just like, what the fuck do we do? Right? So go to the front desk, oh, explain the situation. They're like, well, we huh? could send someone over. So they send someone over. Guy like, walks oh, in. Yeah, bugged. <laughs> guy walks in. He's like, no, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. Like, if it were me, I would go up there and be like, I'm not staying here. <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> so we, we went to the front. <laughs> explain like not happening this is this is fucking crazy got upgraded to like some like presidential suite Hell where it was yeah. like three bedrooms in it i love it um this is why you go to a hotel folks and not airbnbs it was no it was like a it was like a like resort hotel thing that's awesome yeah this is why you do that but like, this was like <laughs> yeah this was back in like 2012 so around this movie yeah oh my god yeah um, so when i saw this it brought me way back oh fuck you know it was funny I also had this experience. Oh, damn. <laughs> it was my wedding night. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, so, wedding, fantastic. Everything went great. Reception, amazing. Everything's awesome. We're in Hawaii. We're living life. We're loving everything. Uh, we First and foremost, we are like, great. Bye, everybody. We're going to the honeymoon suite. We have an Airbnb off the fucking somewhere on this island in, in uh, the big island. And uh, it was so dark, I could not find it. Oh. And, like, it, it, the instructions on the Airbnb was, like, do not use Google Maps. Go to this sign. Turn left at this sign. Sketch. And it was so sketchy. And when you would use, like, Google Maps or, or Maps in general, it would take you to someone else's house. Oh. So I was like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. So finally, like, we, we like, had to, like, really search his Airbnb. It's nighttime. No fucking lights anywhere. It's just the light of our car. Yeah. Um, so we finally find it. Get in there. Kathleen's exhausted. She's like, all right, I'm going to take a shower. We hear a chirping noise. Oh, shit. And we're like, what the fuck's this chirping noise? And <laughs> I think mine was chirping noises, too. Maybe not. Something similar. Uh, and I was like, what the fuck's this chirping noise? And, and like, she's in the shower. And I'm like, and I'm like on the bed, like, just kind of like, oh, no, like looking around like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And um, Kathleen gets out. She's like, did you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, you hear it too. And it's, it was a gecko. Oh. So a gecko just crawled on the wall and we are like, oh, fuck. I was like, okay, it's just one. Like, like, <laughs> oh, like no. we're, we're okay. It's just, it's just one. <laughs> just one. So we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, so like, Kathleen's like, try to get it out. Try to get it out. So like, I try to get out of like a little room or something. And they have like a little patio area. There's a fucking horde of them. Oh shit! On the patio, and the patio is an inside patio. Oh damn! So like, there's a horde of them in there. I'm like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> um, so I was like, there's a bunch of them out there. I was like, I'm good. She's like, so what are we gonna do? I was like, I don't know. So I like, I was like, do you want to stay here? <laughs> and she said no. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well let's go. We left everything. Oh, we shit. didn't grab shit. I called my I called my mom. I was like, "Hey, we we need to go. We're coming to your Airbnb because you yeah, got room." So yeah. we went back to uh, uh, I think the island was called um, Kona. Yeah, uh -huh. so we went back to Kona, um, and we finally get there. We rest or whatever. Next day, we go back during the daytime with more people. This time, they are all inside. Oh, the fucking no. place. 
They're in the bathroom, in the sinks. They're on the toilet. Just seats. having a party, dude. <laughs> and like, I was like, let's grab everything as quick as possible yeah. and let's get out of here. And I hit up the dude on the Airbnb. And was like, yo, man, I'm gonna need a, a refund. And I think you should definitely put in your description if you are not a fan of wildlife, because <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a fan. <laughs> so my God, yeah. my wife is petrified of geckos now because of that situation. I would be too. So yeah, back to the movie. <laughs> as we were both reminded of trauma, <laughs> he tells her that the pest control guy will take care of it. She let uh, she lets him know that she's that she's still getting his email on her computer. He goes uh, to take it. By the way, if you guys are lost, this is Stephanie and uh, Clyde talking. He goes uh, goes to take it off. Um, but not before he could give Brett a fuck you by keeping his shoes on. <laughs> he just stares at me, just like, fuck you, I'm out. Like, I'm walking with my shoes on. My house. <laughs> I'm removing his, uh, by removing his account, uh, he asked Stephanie how Wagner was. She claims that it was good and interesting. He smiles that interesting means that she fell asleep. She chuckles that she didn't fall asleep. He notices a file that he doesn't remember, clicking it open to a video of him in the kitchen. She smiles, asking him if he remembers this, explaining that this was the weekend that the kids were out of the house um, and out camping. They have a little moment as they reminisce a little bit. She She's about to bring up another memory, but stops herself. I was wondering what their memory was. <laughs> I assume it was just just more memories of them. And she was just like, you know what? This is a waste of time. Like, I shouldn't even bring this up. Um, he continues deleting his, uh, his files um, and accounts from her computer. She thanks him. He gets up asking if she if she's uh, if she noticed anything odd. If excuse me, he gets up asking her if she's noticed anything odd about him. <laughs> explaining that she has moments where she's checked out. Stephanie blames it on them getting a divorce and disrupting their lives, thinking that it will take some time for, the, for their lives to get back to normal. He reluctantly accepts that before leaving out. Clyde is irritated while coaching his team, wanting them to play 20 minutes of basketball, uh, wanting them to hustle. He has, his assistant coach reminds him that he had somewhere to be by five, but it's past that time. He kneels down in defeat. <laughs> Hannah is chanting with her dance team, the Silver Stars. They're uh, watching their routine on TV. Clyde calls her apologizing, but doesn't want to hear it, passing the phone over to her little sister. Em explains that she's mad at him. He sighs in acceptance, but Em changes the subject to the box, asking if it's okay, not wanting him to go near it. He's confused as to what she... As to what she's saying as she continues that she is the only one allowed to touch it. He asks her... Uh, what the deal is with the box? She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't answer the question, reminding him just to not touch it. He agrees before saying their goodbyes. And inside the house, he ignores her request and goes to touch it, <laughs> wondering what the hell is up with this. Fade to M standing in the bathroom in front of the medicine cabinet with the bathtub water running. She checks her bruised hand before she begins to gag and dry heave, putting her fingers in her mouth, but she doesn't feel anything. She grabs a little flashlight, checking the back of her mouth, startled by fingers coming out of her throat. She gains some composure before checking again. At this point, the tub is now overflowed. I think this was a fun moment here. Um, very Sam Raimi. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, it's an intense moment. I think... Uh, you know, with the gag and everything, it's very, like, just disturbing, I guess. Right. Um, I don't even know if disturbing is the right word. But I think for the time, this was very... 
I think movies loved doing this. Like, yeah, you know, this was part of the grudge. Yeah, in know, the shower with the yeah, hands of the, the hair. Hands, then, yeah, you know, um, we've had other films where they th- they are gagging and they pull out hair. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely on par with with all of that for sure. Definitely all of that. Um, she's working on her assignment in class. A stupid boy takes her duffel bag, opening it up to reveal the box. She yells for him to give it back, grabbing and yanking it, then slapping the shit out of him while screaming for him to give it back. This dude's getting fucked up. He's about to punch <laughs> the punch boy in the face, but the teacher stops and holds her back while she screams and writhes. This was intense as fuck. She was whooping his ass. Yeah. He had no chance. <laughs> I thought this was a, a cool moment. Uh, this was great. Yeah. It just. She's like on the deep end now, though. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what this is showing. And yeah, uh, she's just like, this is she's she's with the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Her parents speak with the principal who stares uh or who shares that M has been acting strangely, not hanging out with friends, doing her assignments, losing interest in what's important to her. Stephanie excuses that she's been going through a lot lately. The principal confirms that Clyde moved recently. He agrees, explaining that Stephanie has the girls most of the time. She uh, That would have been funny. She's like, oh, so it's your fault. <laughs> she asks how things are going at home. He, he comments that they are fine given the circumstances. She doesn't understand. He explains that they are divorced, which is tough on kids. The principal tells them that it would benefit M to speak to someone about her feelings. Stephanie is taken back by it since she speaks to her about her feelings all the time. Miss Shandy comments that M still seems extremely frustrated, scaring everyone with the box, thinking that a little time away from it may do her some good. Stephanie can't believe it, knowing this sounds this doesn't sound like her daughter, especially since she's never gotten into a fight. Miss Shandy rebuttals with her most with the most poorly written one-liner in the Thank cheesiest you. close-up ever. Quote, that wasn't just a fight. This was violent. <laughs> Quote. It what? wasn't peaceful fighting. <laughs> I know, dude. I'm so glad you. I'm so glad that you commented on this. I think there's a lot of a lot of movies that like rely on these one dimensional characters just to like create a moment. Um, and it was a weird line. It was a very very weird line. Fighting is like, always violent. Like, what the fuck? Like, how do you fight? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, violent is, is is fighting, but it, like. It's it's interesting because of the fact that we get we get this moment sprinkled in here with Miss Shandy later. Yeah. That is also very interesting and in that in my opinion fits the beginning of the movie, but it doesn't fit it doesn't fit the middle of the movie. Yeah. So I I feel like this movie's starting to get a little confused at what it's trying to be here. It is. The ex-couple are walking back to their cars, Clyde thinking that there's something else going on there, Stephanie writing it off that uh, she's possibly insecure, afraid that she that he might not be there for her. Finding this to be the perfect co- correlation to show him his printed flight confirmation since she's still getting um, his emails. He comments that uh, he was going to tell her about this. She argues that he wasn't going to tell her until he got the job, wondering if he's going to take it. It's funny because like it didn't look like he deleted his account. It looked like he just deleted his emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which he probably did. I think that's what was context. It's like he's not Texan. I mean, he he went to gmail.com and logged in, and <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> he's silent. She knows that uh, that he will take it because he wants to be a big shot again. 
See, this is toxic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's upset that he's chasing his own dreams while his daughter's is falling apart. I mean, what the fuck, dude? Like, what else do you have for, to, to, to hold on to? Like, do you just want him to just, just be a dad? No, yeah. It very much feels like put your life on hold, right? But I'm living my life. Right. It's yeah. just like you got a boyfriend and you're doing your costume jewelry thing. Yeah, exactly. Why can't I be a fucking coach on a yeah. basketball team? Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you, Stephanie. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. How selfish. I agree. <laughs> He argues that M's behavior has nothing to do with this. She tells him that uh, she tells him to stay oblivious since he's working well for him. She goes to the car, Brett holding the door open for her. When he closes the door, Clyde yells for him to stay away for his kid, stay away from his kid's teeth. That's so weird. <laughs> this ar- movie and teeth. <laughs> what are you trying to be? Darkness falls. Like what's happening here? Someone had a nightmare about their teeth falling on. They were like leaning on it. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> he ignores Clyde going into his car. Later that night at school, Miss Shandy is reading on um, something at her desk in the darkest lighting possible. There's so many moments in this movie where I'm like, yo, turn the light on. Just turn it on. Yeah. What are you doing? And why are you still there? Like, just bring your work at home. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, you know, you probably want to just get the shit done at school. You know, school. it's probably daylight savings. You know, sun probably <laughs> went down at like 4 p.m. I'm going to excuse it. Yeah. Uh, but it feels late. It does. It feels late. Like, it feels like 10 o'clock. It feels like it's 2.30 a.m. <laughs> yes. It feels like she shouldn't be there right yeah. now. Like, it sounds like no one's around. She's the last teacher left. Miss Goody Two Shoes. <laughs> like, Miss Shandy here. She hears the murmuring, which grabs her attention, but she doesn't uh, see anything. Why couldn't this have been for Clyde? Yeah. Like, you use it here. Mm-hmm. Like, is, is it because the box is strong enough now? Like, I don't, like, I don't. She pissed it off? Maybe. Like, she took it away. But, like. Well, she said M should stay spe- away, from, stay away the from the box. But the box was away from M when it was at Clyde's house. I so, get, like, yeah. you know, like... It, 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 it's the principle of the matter. I though. guess so. Yeah, I guess when you She made a statement. It. Yeah. <laughs> She's trying to start shit. Her attention falls toward the box. She takes it over to her desk, trying to open up the box with a knife. The flag uh, on her desk starts blowing in the... Um, and the wind, excuse me, the flag starts uh, starts blowing on her uh, on her desk, but she doesn't have the windows open. She begins to cry blood, um, which supposedly is what happened to the guy who had the real divot box. Mm, really? Yeah. Uh, he uh, had a statement where he said that he cried blood. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. Scary. It's pretty scary. She starts crying blood. Uh, I feel like this moment would have been 10 times better if it would happen to Clyde. Because uh, I, I, it took him a real long time to just get get going. Yeah, get going on the like something weirds about the box, man. I guess I guess you can make a statement that like once a box tries to take someone out, it's gonna take them out. Yeah, but I don't know because the old woman in the beginning, she lived. She lived, yeah. And um, yeah, this scene probably wasn't needed. Yeah. Probably have a moment with Clyde in the box alone and said that. I, was really I feel like weird. that would have made more sense. This just kind of happened to make it feel like they just wanted a body count. Maybe. I think about that a lot now when I watch 
movies because of the show, right? But right. Um, possession films don't really have body. They counts. don't. Yeah, you usually see that with slashers. But I, I, it honestly just feels like this box was like, "Fuck that teacher." I'm yeah, a, for real, I'm gonna yeah, yeah, take her out. It's like this bitch <laughs> dropping her glasses as she waddles over to the door, slamming it, slamming in her face. Um, I've always hated this trope. The, the fucking jinkies I dropped my glasses I can't see <laughs> I've always hated this trope we got this chick who drops her glasses she can't see anything we got Clyde taking his glasses so he can see things like, <laughs> make up your mind here. clearly no one glasses? that wore How do glasses work clearly no one that wore glasses made this movie <laughs> she lets out a scream before her being dragged to the floor and thrown across the room like a rag doll finally being thrown out of the window cuts a client and m at a diner he asks he asks her if if she understands why her why school is canceled today she bluntly comments that it's because miss shandy is dead he confirms um he confirms and it is about to and is about to explain that she died in a horrible accident but she cuts him off asking for him to get her box he, he uh, doesn't answer her as she continues eating and staring at him. He questions why the box is so important to her. She claims to know she claims to not know, but it just is. He shares that that he notices that she sometimes talks to it. She smiles that she doesn't talk to the box, but her friend. He questions this. She explains that it is the one that lives inside the box. He asks if if he lives in there. She corrects him that it's a she. He wonders uh, what she says to him. She she answers that she says that she's special. He admits that she is special, wanting to meet the woman inside the box. He M claims that that's not possible because nobody can see her, not even her. And by her, I mean M, not the lady in the box. She probably can see herself, I don't know. She finishes her food, asking if she uh, could have some more. Her voice changes as M says she's still hungry. I remember I loved this moment back like 11 years ago. And now I'm just like, huh. My repertoire of uh, horror has expanded and definitely expanses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely cheesy now. Yeah. But it fits this time. It, yeah. It fits this exactly. time perfectly. I've never been a fan. Well, correction. As I've grown to like more horror films, I've stopped being a fan of the whole voice oscillation thing, the yeah. voice changing. Um, it's just, it's not scary to me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it feels very forced. It's just like, remember, there's something inside this possessed this girl here. Um, it's just like... Mm. Later on, I think um, it does a better job at doing this, and I can't wait for us to get to, to yes. get there. But I think for a younger audience, like this has impact probably. Scary, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. Or, or it being in that time, right? Like in, the, in that time span, totally. I could see this being something that would have probably like, like ooh, gave me heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it did the same thing with, uh, with, uh, Georgie in the water, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, you'll, you'll float too and all this other stuff. Um, but in the trailer, they didn't have the voice change. It was just Georgie screaming. That seemed a lot more scarier. Like a kid just saying weird shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in, in general. But like if M would have just said, she's still hungry. Like that would have been way scarier instead of having the voice change. Yeah, I think if the film got made today, it would be in her normal speaking voice. And in 2012, it would have been what it is. Right. Yeah. Clyde drives to a dumpster at a uh, trucking site, throwing the box away, which I, I thought it was a gas station in the, in the trailer. I thought so, too. It's well, just it's, it's like just a place like 
I don't he know. found a dumpster. He just found a dumpster. Yeah. He's just like, there you go. I guess it's close enough to his house. Amp could fucking run to. <laughs> I know, right? It's interesting because usually you, you you go through the tropes of like try to burn it or like try to throw it away. It comes back, right? Then you try to burn it, and it doesn't burn. And yeah. but we just kind of just go we straight just to go throwing straight it away and it. Yeah, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Em is sitting at the on the edge of her bed, crying as she waits for her dad to come home. She stutters as, as she asks for the box. He tells her that he got rid of it. She wants him to go get it, but they are done with the box. She gets up from the bed, shivering um, that she's going to call her mom uh, to come pick her up. He raises his voice about, about that not happening, threatening to ground her if she continues talking to him like this. She stops in the middle of the hall, turning around to tell him that she hates him. He's had enough, demanding her to go to her room. She continues that she she doesn't love him and her mom doesn't love him thinking that he knows everything but he doesn't he tells her to knock it off but she continues that stephanie loves brett now and um and that <laughs> and that he digs her down every night <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't remember her saying that <laughs> and that he makes her happy doing nice things for her something that he he never did her face is slapped by an unseen force but she blames it on her dad Hannah comes out of, comes out into the hall, only able to see the back of her dad and sister screaming for her dad to stop hitting her. She continues being slapped as Clyde is confused as to what's going on. Uh, she screams as she continues questioning what he is doing to her before running out in the hall. Hannah questions if he just hit her. He claims that he didn't. Um, he that he didn't as he goes to look for her. Emma's running down the street barefoot in search for the box. He runs after her, but he's not able to see her screaming for screaming for her uh screaming for her as he runs into the dark road. She eventually makes it to the dumpster where the box is thrown away. Climbing inside the dumpster to take it out, gently placing it on the ground in front of her as she steps back. The box then opens up on its own, releasing the moths alongside indistinct whispering. She asks if she, if she is her friend from the box. The woman whispers, M is a, M able to understand as she answers back, crying that her dad doesn't, um, doesn't like her anymore. She tells she tells the voice no multiple times as the murmuring continues. The moss rush inside M's mouth, entering her body as she screams. Clyde eventually finds her lying on the ground, running over to her and picking up her body. I think not in just these moments, like especially with the the argument scene between M and Clyde, right? Natasha Callis does such a phenomenal job, especially with like Agreed. The slapping moment and the crying right after. I was like, uh, the drop of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. It's impactful. It's aged very well. It's still very creepy and scary, right? Um, and yeah, I think I think this actress really she carries it. a lot of this movie, right? Um, she has really, really strong moments. And, and that scene is uh, disturbing, right? Especially, like I mentioned earlier, when you look through the lens of being like a parent, right? And then... Right it's what this what comes from this after this moment it's mm -hmm. all very scary um because like if you're younger you're looking at it like damn this possession st story is very scary and right that moment of like oh you the the full possession is happening that's really scary but also right. through the lens of looking through Clyde and like it's assumed that he's abusing his children when it's like a false accusation and like you feel powerless from that oh my goodness it's, it's crazy it's impactful yeah yeah this this is absolutely impactful 
And um, I was trying to see like if she's any in anything else because I've only seen her in this. Um, and she is. Um, she's in. She's I guess most known for most known from a show called Nurses that looked like it aired for a season. Okay. Um, and it was in 2020. So it aired in 2020. Looks like like a NBC show or something. Um, but cool. Glad to see she's still doing stuff. She's in a new show now called Sky Med. So a lot of doctor shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. If you're a fan of Natasha's work in this movie and you still want to see her, there you go. You can see her in Nurses and SkyMed. Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> um, cut to Stephanie at Clyde's house with the police. He hands over M as she stares as she stares um, and blames him. Man, it's just how do you get out of this situation? Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, she walks. She walks her daughter away from him um, as the cops approaches him. Um, I'm going to just say this right now. If he was black, they would have taken his ass fast. <sighs> how how are you not taking him in? If if this is an accusation we're getting, that you hit your daughter. Yeah, it's a good point because, right, like the call, the cop is there because someone called and it was probably Hannah and also Stephanie's there, right? So right. Hannah probably called Stephanie and said, dad was hitting M. Right. I saw M that. started running down the street and he chased her. Right. So it's just like, I mean, if I was a cop, I'd be like, get your ass in the fucking car. Like, dude, like, let go of the girl and turn around. Like, (laughs) you're going to fucking jail tonight. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, But we didn't get that. Instead, we cut to Clyde and Stephanie um, inside of a courthouse. Um, the, the representative, the representative comes out to them that judge Simmons has reviewed everything and is granting an interim temporary order. He questions if he can see his, if he, if that means he, uh, he can't see his kids. She agrees that he can't uh, based on Stephanie's reports about the bruise marks. He tells Stephanie that this is ridiculous. Her knowing that he would never, uh, hurt her. The representative lets, lets them know that they will schedule a full hearing and will be in touch. Stephanie begins walking off, uh, without a word, her attorney yelling for Clyde as he asked um, her if they could just talk, knowing that they can just work this out. The attorney yells that he could state his case in court. Clyde yells back, this doesn't matter to you. I don't want to talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> he grabs her by the arm. She swings around, demanding him not to touch her, hitting him as uh, she yells, what were you thinking? This was dramatic. This was very dramatic. I was like, whoa. <laughs> she walks off demanding him to just move to North Carolina because she doesn't want to see him again. Brett is in the kitchen with Stephanie claiming that Clyde is un- unstable. Considering him angry and confused, taking the divorce out on everyone around him. Knowing that this is the reason why M is having such a hard time. Bitch ass guy. He's just like time to move in closer. I like, know it was really <laughs> weird and toxic and manipulative. She downs a glass of wine. This is where like you see his true character, though. Yeah. Uh, she downs a glass of wine. He mentions that he bought uh, a stack of DVDs from his collection, wanting to watch something funny to lighten the mood. She chuckles on that being a great idea as she tries to hold back more tears. He goes up to her, holding her face, commenting about um about her having a, a second class of wine. 
And she was not a fan of that comment. Yeah, she wasn't. She was just like, motherfucker, <laughs> I will drink this whole bottle. <laughs> Get out. Like, what are you talking about? Go grab the DVDs. Get out about that, <laughs> Brett. He goes out um, to, to this car to grab the DVDs, turning around uh, when he hears M coughing. She's standing there with her hand behind her back and her fist bald. He asks um, ask her what she has there, but she doesn't answer him. He goes up to her, asking her again as she sheds a tear. And she's like stone face. Yeah. Like when she sheds that tear, she's not pouting. She's not crying uh, or uh, whimpering. She just sheds the tear and she looks fucking angry. Shout out to Natasha Callis, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> damn. Brett comments that this um that it's okay as he takes her hand, asking her um to let him see. He opens her hand to reveal the molar. He questions um where she got it from as he walks to see it in better lighting. He's like, hmm, looks like it's the 1960s. Dude, this guy got too wrapped up in the molar, like straight for 27 minutes just looking at the tooth in the light. Like while she's like doing? vomiting behind him, he doesn't hear any of this. Yeah, like he doesn't hear any of this shit. He's just like enamored by this molar. He's just like, wow, teeth. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I get you're a dentist, and you really want to harken the fact that you're a dentist, but come on. Like, I'm sure dentists don't go home and be like, I want to talk about more teeth. <laughs> 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 like uh. what? <laughs> Meanwhile, Clyde goes back to get the box and walks up behind Brett, um, her right eye rolling downward with a sinister look. Uh, this is cool. Um, I've always thought this effect was interesting. Um, the eyes rolling in, in the back of your head and rolling down. I've never seen it done well, though. This movie does it decently. I think it does it yeah. fine. Um, it, it's just it's so CG heavy. Obviously, because I don't know how possible that is to have your eyes roll downward (laughs) into the back of your head. Although, I don't know who this person was, but when I started, like, getting into TikTok the same time as everyone else did in the fucking pandemic, there was this girl who would make creepy content, um, and it was a song that would play, and the song was a children's song, Down by the Bay, Where the Watermelons Grow, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, Um, but instead of grow it was rot and when it would be rot she would have her eyes go downward into the base of her skull and it was the creepiest fucking shit ever and i wish i remembered her name because i want to hire her (laughs) (laughs) like i want to hire her so badly so hey girl if you like are listening to this podcast and you know your own name, please get in contact with me because I would love to hire you. I am dead fucking serious. Well. <laughs> Clyde picks uh, picks up the box, or if anyone can find that video with just someone's going to find it, please send that to someone's me because I need to it. know her name. I, and I'm I'm genuinely serious. Please find this person for me, <laughs> uh, causing it causing him to heave and gag. Brett finally notices her gagging as something crawls underneath her skin. The real M is back, telling Brett to leave and that she doesn't like him. He tells her that she's just going to have to get used to it. What a dick. <laughs> Bro, she's like 10. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Got to Clyde visiting Professor McManus. He shows up the box. McManus calls it quite a fine, but Clyde doesn't understand what, what this even means. Now, this is where we now get into the Jewish... Yeah. aspect of it um and this is where it feels very shoehorned mm-hmm. 
where I, I don't know. Yeah, it felt icky when I was kind of watching it, mainly because I was just like, I, why? Yeah, I can see that. You know, what? like why? Um, it just, it, it, I felt like we could have leaned in a lot sooner if that's the context we were trying yeah. to. If that's the vision. Right. Yeah. Um, he tells Clyde, not, not where we have fucking 30 minutes left of the film. <laughs> exactly. He tells Clyde that it's probably from Poland from the uh, 1920s or 30s. He believes that it originated in the Jewish village due to the Hebrew inscriptions. Reading one of the words that says Dybbuk, the Hebrew word for dislocated spirit. Clyde wonders if it was used for something religious. McManus explains that the more traditional Judaism believe in various spirits, including demons. The box being uh, made with the belief that evil itself would somehow be contained. Clyde's light bulb finally goes off as Michael... Um, uh, figurative light bulb, not real. Uh, as McManus jokes about him carrying um, around this curse. He continues that whoever made the box had intense convictions, that being the reason why they concealed the lock and carved th those words. Basically, they are saying, quote, warning, deadly, do not open, end quote, concluding with a warm smile for him to not open. <laughs> this is a funny moment. And McManus was like, he's like, hey, it's in your hands and you got it. <laughs> don't open it. Like, Just don't open it. And <laughs> just like, my daughter opened it. No. <laughs> like, quick cut to Clyde, watch possession videos online, researching Jewish ex exorcisms. He waits for Stephanie to leave the house before heading over there uh, with a Hebrew Bible in hand. Um, Hannah, um, Questions why he is there, knowing that her mom would freak uh, if she knew that he was there. He asks where M is. She explains that she de she decided to stay home because she wasn't feeling well. He walks past her and immediately heads upstairs to see her. Inside um, his daughter's room, Clyde puts his glasses on and, and um, checks on M, who's asleep in bed. He cracks open the book and begins reading the scripture. She opens her eyes, slowly turning toward him as he continues reading. The page of the book blows, but um, he, he checks around the room before noticing that she's awake. He continues reading louder as the pages um, continue blowing. And she's just like staring daggers i love this direction that this is awesome that she's just staring eyes wide no no, no outburst yeah. just nothing verbal this is great yeah this is awesome yeah this was enough yeah this was enough she sheds a tear before the book flies across the room causing him to become startled and, and stand he takes his glasses off <laughs> asking what's inside of M who is <laughs> that's when he gets serious you know <laughs> asking who is inside of who is inside um, and what it wants with her she's silent as he as he yells for it to tell him what it wants Stephanie bursts through the door demanding him to get out threatening to call the police M turns around allowing her tears to continue to fall Clyde rushes back to his car, speeding to an address in New York City. He drives through a Jewish community as they all are entering inside of stores and buildings. I assume they're supposed to be synagogues, but I'm not sure. Um, clearing the street, leaving him uh, to hear someone singing on the steps, which was, of course, they had to have this guy singing. Um, you know what this is, right? No, I don't. Uh, so you remember the, the artist, um, and I might butcher his name. Uh, but it was uh, Matsuyatsu. He was he was oh. a rapper 
a Jewish rapper. I think it's starting to come back to and me. And he had like reggae tones uh, with it. Um, it's a faint, faint memory. I think. I, I'll show you a picture of him because um, I guarantee you, you remember this dude, uh, even though you saw him in the movie. But uh, this is what he looks like now. But like this was like one of his most popular videos, King Without a Crown. And it was kind of like. I think I slightly reggae. remember. I, I slightly remember. Yeah. It. He was. I remember a lot of people really liking this dude a lot. Um, he cut all his hair off and he. Uh, he, he looks very different. <laughs> he looks very different. That's all I got to say to that. Looks very, very different. Um, but this was his first film, I believe, that he was in, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, anyway, he goes up to him. The man uh, takes his headphones off, apologizing for not hearing him. Clyde introduces himself, asking for um, Zadik, uh, is how I think you say his name, um, Zadik uh, Sharpier. Uh, he confirms that being, he confirms that he... He is who he said he is, and um, that they talked over the phone. Zadik looks in the bag, wondering if there's um, if it's in there. It is. He agrees that Clyde uh, Clyde is to meet with his father um, Reeb, warning him that he's traditional. He acknowledges that he acknowledges this before following him to the shoal. They enter inside. Um, Zadik gives Clyde a yarmulke to put on. The congregation finishes, and um, and Zadik goes over to his father, whispering to him, and Reeb responds in Yiddish. He translates that he asks if he can show them the bag. Clyde places the bag down on the ground and opens it. I love how everyone's like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) they start murmuring, like stepping away and shit. The congregation all murmur and step back in fear. Reeb continues speaking in Yiddish. Another man translates, asking, asking him where he got it from. He shares that he bought it in a yard sale. That would have been funny. He was like, you should put it back. <laughs> back to them. What if he was like, I got it off eBay? <laughs> Someone else asked um, if he opened the box. He's quiet for a moment before um, Zadik asked the question again. Clyde um, shares that his daughter opened it. Some leave out of the room. Uh, he asks if he if he wants what... Uh, he asks what it wants for with his daughter. He explains that the dipic looks for innocence and pure souls. Moving back and forth from the box, searching for a proper host. The host begins to hear voices, experience, experience vi- uh, visions, all of it being the deception of the spirit to protect the host and drive others away. The final stage, the dipic attaches to the host, becoming one. Only wanting one thing, um, only wanting one thing, and that is um, one thing that it doesn't have, and that is life. Clyde sobs about it taking M's life, wondering how to stop it. They answer that the only way to stop it is to command it back by its name. He doesn't know its name, wanting them to help, explaining that he saw a ceremony of exorcisms. They rebuttal that it's too great of a risk. The spirit can come upon anyone performing the ceremony. Clyde pleads for someone to help him, knowing that she's in there. They help. They help Reeb. Um, he looks at Clyde, speaking in English that it that it must be left to the will of God. Clyde questions this statement, asking if it were his child, um, would he do the same? That would have been great if you'd be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was coming. It it felt like it was. Yeah. Like, cause, and it's funny because like you're asking like a holy man. Yeah. This question, you're just like. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I give everything to God. Like, yeah, like, true. Like, what the fuck, dude? Um, <laughs> what if he was like, yeah, what the fuck, dude? 
that'd be great. That'd be great. It's like, it's like, yeah, what the fuck are you smoking, man? Like, like, of course I will. Uh, that would be great if we looked at it. It's like, what the fuck is with this guy? Everyone just shrugs. <laughs> he grabs the box and bag, leave it out of the building, all, all frumpy. He's like, Ugh. He, he's walking to the alleyway. Zedek um, stops him and to let him know that he's rolling with him. He asks why. Zedek claims that it's a, it's a permitted violation of Shabbat law. Since a human life is in danger, he's not a, he's not only allowed but required to act. That's good enough for Clyde. That would have been great if he was like, well, why didn't you say that in there? <laughs> yeah. Probably because he knows that he's bullshitting. He's just like, fuck it, just come on before you change your mind. Cut to Stephanie uh, working on some jewelry, stopping when she hears a faint moan. She turns around as the muffled sounds continue outside her door. Going to see where the sound is coming from, she hears more faint crying um, somewhere inside the house. Not able to fully distinguish where the sound is coming from right away, she finally goes into the kitchen, seeing him um, stuffing her face with raw meat as she wails and cries. This was very unsettling. Yeah, you know, it's really cool to think about um, how earlier she was fighting for animal rights and claiming, or it seems like she was claiming that she was a vegetarian, right? And right. here she is, like, eating raw meat. Yeah. Fucking wow, crying and wailing. like Yeah, so the crying is such a good touch, in my opinion, because it's perfect. It really feels like M's in there just crying and suffering, right, from the possession. And it really tries to communicate that, at least the movie does, um, how much suffering comes with possession. Because yeah. normally, like, you kind of just think the demon takes over and M's gone, right? right? But you don't really think about how how much suffering that must be, right? Yeah. So the wailing and the crying it's while, like, the demon's there just... Not in control. Yeah. It's crazy. She calls out to M. She t- um, turns to her mother with a growl with raw meat in her mouth. Oh, yeah, just about that. She um, tries approaching him, but she crawls away from her. Stephanie asks for her to, uh, to give it to her and pushes a glass off the table, cracking it next to her feet. Stephanie is confused as to what she's doing. In a hoarse voice, M says that she's not there. She responds to M for her to stop this and that she's not playing any games, wanting her to, wanting her to come to her. M repeats, fluctuating between her voice and the demons, that she isn't there. More glasses push toward her, um, causing her to step on broken glass. Stephanie continues trying to get her her daughter to come to her, not able to see her. She moves to the edge of the table, but M's no longer there. She calls out to M, but receives no answer as she walks backward toward a looming M in the darkness. This looked fucking great. <laughs> like... You know me and dark shit and like just seeing her silhouette in the darkness was fantastic. You know the only thing that would have made it better? What's that? Glowing eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Glowing eyes, baby. I'm a sucker for that too. Oh man. She's holding she's um holding to a shard holding onto a shard of glass and jumps on her mom but doesn't go through with stabbing her. Hugging her mom as she sobs questioning who she is, dropping the shard of glass. Stephanie is um, being bandaged by Brett in the hallway, letting him letting him know that she was actually scared. He believes that they need to need to have her see someone. 
It would be great if you were like, we need to have a sequel because, shit, I didn't tell you about this, but earlier today, she, <laughs> she had a tooth. <laughs> a fucking molar. And uh, she she said that she didn't like me. And I was just like, I was just like, why, Em? I, 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 I've been nothing but nice to you. <laughs> she nods as she continues that he knows someone who's able to see her tomorrow morning, giving her a full evaluation at her facility for a couple of days. She agrees. Wait a second. Is the facility the, the hospital that they went to? No. Okay, because they didn't have a chance to go there. Right? Exactly, right. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's right, okay. Next day, Brett is wiping his windshield as M for what? Uh, uh, <laughs> like, it wasn't cold. I don't like, know. I don't know what he was fucking doing. Wiping his windshield as M is swinging and glaring at him. <laughs> he looks over at her before continuing, and he's, like, uncomfortable. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> she looks sickly. She does. Like, he's like, maybe we should just take her to the hospital. <laughs> Stephanie comes down the stairs, letting everyone know that it's time to go. Outside, Brett hears distinct whispering, causing him to wipe his, uh, calling him to wipe his window. He looks back at M. She's off the swing set, glaring back at him. He calls out to her, asking if she's okay. The area picks up with wind, eventually causing Brett to bleed from his mouth. He screams um, as his teeth fall out from his mouth, rushing back to his car, speeding off because I'm a dentist. M <laughs> drops to the ground, having a seizure. Stephanie rushes out there, screaming for Hannah. Hannah runs outside. Stephanie yells for her to call the emergency line, except she just stands there and starts crying instead. Stephanie then takes her phone, which then oddly has Hannah just switch spots with her mom to check on her sister. Interesting. This was so weird to me. Going back though, uh, I think the moment of like bleeding through the mouth Fucking great. and it getting caught up in the wind and everything, it is that great. That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. That looked great. The teeth falling out looked awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. That like this whole scene was great until this part for me. But um yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I didn't catch the the switching spots. Yeah. Yeah. She was on her phone. She was like <laughs> With the phone in her hand, and she takes the phone, and then she just stops crying, and she like goes to check on her oh, sister. Oh, weird! <laughs> Hannah asks what's wrong with M as she gags and t- uh, until a moth comes out of her mouth. Meanwhile, Clyde and Zadik are headed back to M. Zadik trying to uh, trying, or excuse me, Zadik thinking that there has there has to be a name somewhere on the box. Clyde claims to have searched every inch of it, knowing damn well his ass only speaks English. Yeah, that would be great if, Z- if Zadik was like, "Well, do you speak like Hebrew? Or like, <laughs> like, do you read Hebrew?" <laughs> maybe, maybe I should try to find it. <laughs> uh, Zadik uh, explains the uh, the carvings are a prayer from the Book of Psalms, tokens placed inside. But he doesn't understand why there's a mirror. Adding that it um, that if the spirit was contained, um, it would have to look upon itself to be forever reminded that it turned away from God. He smashes the mirror, shaking, shaking out the shards to reveal more etched carvings. I love how Clyde was like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he reads um, Abazu, translating to taker of children. Cut to Stephanie at the hospital. Hannah called her dad, telling him to hurry. Dr. Walterson wants to perform an MRI on M. 
He quickly explains how it how it works to her before she she asks if she's going to be okay. Her mother says that she will be, um, while letting her know that she'll she'll be in the other room. Lab tech, uh, the lab tech puts the MRI mask on her face, instructing her to stay still. Uh, to stay still for him. Hannah sobs in the other room as, as they begin. Relax. Um, M asks if she, if she can close her eyes. They allow her to, letting her know that they are going to take some pictures. The images of her body start coming in. Um, everything... Uh, just let me spot shit. Uh, the images are trying to come in, everything looking normal. The power in the room starts to flicker, the tech writing it off um, as there being some sort of interference. Must be interference. <laughs> Oh. You're bullshitting. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, dude, this never happens, yeah, dude. This happens from time to time. Yeah, don't worry about it. What do, what do, what do you mean? Like, do you have another <laughs> machine? Like, like is she, is she going to be okay in there? Like, yeah. fuck you, dude. No. This is all magnetic and radiation and all this other shit. Like, what do you mean? Like, this yeah. needs to work. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie questions if she's going to be all right in there um, by herself. Watcherson claims that she'll be fine. She notices a face inside of M's body on the x-ray. I think you and I very clearly probably did not like this. No. Yeah. This, this is, was a little much. Yeah. This is this definitely got to a spot where I was just like, this is a lot. Yeah. I, I, I really questioned why they would go this route because it's so cheesy. Um, I think, again, for the time period, even back then it was a little cheesy. But I think this is the only way to like confirm and validate with the rest of the family that she's possessed. Right. right? Yeah. Even so, though, like seeing a face in an X-ray, I, I don't know how they would just be like, "There's something inside her," <laughs> right? Like doctors all, aren't going to solve this. <laughs> all the lights are flashing, and they're like, "This is an accurate result." <laughs> this happens from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you see that it's an anomaly. Letting them know that there's something in there uh, with her, M opens her her eyes, a high-pitched sound accompanied with Hannah's scream. Abazu screams and the power cuts off. Uh, as Stephanie rushes inside the room, taking the mask off, M's eyes are still open. Uh, they are resting in the hospital. Clyde comes into the room. Hannah greets and hugs him. She apologizes as he kisses her. He uh, places his hand on M. Stephanie takes his hand, letting him know that sh- uh, she saw something inside of her, knowing the doctors can't help them. He asks for her to trust him. He goes out to see um, Zadik in the waiting room, not able to get M out, thinking that they are going to have to do it there. Zadik reluctantly agrees, sharing that he hates hospital because people die there. Great line, Zadik. Um, they go into the into the room. He entered. <laughs> I'm like actually thinking about that line. We we're just like, I hate hospice, hospitals. People die there. So you hate the world. People die there too. <laughs> like, like people die on the street. People die in people's houses. I think he's saying like, oh, I hate this. I feel uncomfortable. Right. I think yeah. that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But like the line and the delivery. It, it's supposed it, to be like it a. Was not uh, Dark comedic moment. Yeah. Yeah. They go in, They go into the room. He introduces him to his family. Stephanie thanks him for coming, wondering if, if he could help them. He says, of course, sarcastically saying that uh, he looks like a doctor. This was funny. <laughs> He's like, of course. Do I look like a doctor? <laughs> he tries to touch him, but she rises and groans. He explains that it doesn't want him there and they need to, they need a private place. They sneak her out of the room, avoiding the doctors as they head down to the physical therapy room. They head into the room, turning on the lights and beginning the exorcism. 
Um, they light seven candles. Zadik grabs some water. He instructs them all to put something fr- uh, from their heart in a box, believe that this essence will bind the bind the prayer. It's funny that they couldn't take her out of the um, <laughs> the hospital because uh, that's your right. Yeah, it's your kid. You if you don't want them in the hospital, you could be like, "We're done. Yeah. We're going to leave now." Yeah, they'll be like. We don't advise that, but if you want to, like, that's on you. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know this for a fact, because when my kid was born, they wanted us to stay another 24 hours. I was like, fuck no. <laughs> we're done. She's good. Check her vitals one more time. We're, we're gone. We're, we're out of here. We're done. We're done. We are done. And they're like, okay. <laughs> he pulls out a pocket watch from his grandfather. Stephanie pulls out a photo. Hannah cuts off her uh, off a piece of her hair because, you know, vanity and all. Um, and Clyde <laughs> pulls out his wedding ring from around his neck. Zadik continues that, that once they begin, they must, comp- they must complete the ceremony, explaining that the Dybbuk will, will do anything to stop them. Emma's growling as he continues pulling out a bottle of olive oil representing light, water representing darkness. He pours the oil into the water. Quote, may God separate between these two as only light can dispel darkness, end quote. He wipes, his, he wipes her head with the oil and water-soaked cloth. She screams and writhes as he takes um, his talent, kissing it multiple times before placing it over his body and head. He begins chanting in Hebrew while Clyde from, um, from the Hebrew Bible in English. Stephanie continues kissing her hand as the chanting continues. Emma yells for them to shut up. Clyde yells uh, uh, for it to take him instead. And Zadik is like, Dark me! Dark me! It's just like in her face. Like, yeah, for real. <laughs> She's like, Dad, okay, like, like stop. <laughs> <laughs> At first I was like, what are you saying? And he's like, Darkman! Good thing you repeated it yeah. so we could know. Uh, uh, Zadik uh, commands them all to put their hands on M as the water from the pool behind them begins to ruffle. Um M grabs him by the neck, her eyes rolling in the back of her head, yelling for him to die. She flips over while continuing to choke him before jumping on him. The parents try to pry her off. Stephanie gets slapped down by Clyde, but Clyde is successful, yelling for it to take him instead, causing Ab- causing Abazu to scream in this Spider-Man stance. Uh, she runs out of the room. He chases after her as the Deke yells that it is no longer his daughter. That's no longer your daughter. <laughs> it, was, it was a weird delivery. It was very weird. Uh, it it would have been great if you would have stopped me like, so should I not like chase after her or should I let her go? Like, <laughs> what, what? what's the goal here? Not giving a shit. Clyde chases her down the hall. He g- makes it to a red-filled room, not able to see where she went. He calls out to her, going into an, another dark room with bodies on gurneys and cloths over them. Using the flashlight on his phone, he looks around the room, um calling for his daughter no answer so he looks around the uh around the room until he hears her sobbing in the corner the room slightly fills with red uh with from the exit sign illuminating m in the corner she repeats the same mimicking tone that he scared her with and uh with a sob 
And she opens up her arms, her voice becoming more and more hoarse until the lights burst. She lo- he looks around for a moment, noticing a black substance dripping on his hand. He looks up he looks up to M dropping on top of him, screaming, shaking in his face. He falls to the ground as he continues beating his ass, yelling for him yelling for it to take him instead. The others are looking for him. Clyde makes it into another room with M seeing her whimpering on the wall. He wonders if it's actually her this time. This is great. Like I, I do like this part though, where or the, or the room, the red room. I thought that was great because um, the red room, it was weird because the red room itself was like very much a fun, scary moment. Yeah, this is the theater moment, right? Like, yes. This yeah, is. I would have loved to have seen this in theater. Yeah, 2012 in the theater. This would have been great. I wish I remembered it. Um, <laughs> you know, with the the sound bit repeating of her saying the same thing over and over, and especially like you know, I think post grudge, like people really gravitated towards scary children in horror. Oh yeah, uh, and this capitalizes on that. Um, so yeah, it's a really cool moment that I think was really built for that theater experience. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I think I think a lot of this definitely probably felt like this would have been great for a theater for sure. Like yeah. this would have just focused more on that. Also, sorry y'all if my voice is a little bit louder. I had to turn up my thing. So sorry if it's like crazy loud now because our producer had to fix it. My apologies on that. But anyway, uh, this eventually makes it to the uh, make it to the room. Seeing Clyde and M hugging on the floor, Stephanie and uh, and Hannah uh, run over to them. But Zadik is still hesitant. Can't believe him. He's like, "Hold on, this was too easy." <laughs> Hold the fuck up. They're all hugging each other. The ring falling um, off of M's finger. He believes that this is all wrong and wasn't, and it wasn't supposed to be like this. Questioning where it is, he places the box on the ground, calling for its name, turning it into a shout as he repeats the name over and over and over. Abazu, <laughs> Abazu. <laughs> it gets elongated and it's slowed down the yeah. more he says it. <laughs> the homeboy's going super saiyan. Yeah, yeah, right. Abazu. oh my god uh clyde's arms droops and falls um zadik continues yelling abazu's name as the wind picks up in the room even they all get away from clot from clyde as he starts to gag it's an interesting guy he's like what (laughs) M screaming for him his eyes roll to the back of his head Zadik protects M and begins the prayer as the lights flicker flashes of Clyde throwing up moths as uh, they surround him a hand comes out of his mouth grabbing his face as Zadik continues um, the box moves towards Clyde it opens Exiting his mouth as it crawls back into the box, all upset. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like it is. Uh, it's not happy about this. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> this was also a really bad design of this creature. I so, was not a fan. Yeah, the critic in me wants to say this is really dated bad cg but the fan in me is like hell yeah i i, I want to see it and i'm glad that i got to see it yeah and it's a very small i like that it's small i like that it is yeah. small um i i like, very small creature yeah i know it doesn't it like look it good crawl and it could really kill the moment but again because this is particular just, to me comfort food i enjoy it 
It was just the CG, I think, for this. Yeah. Uh, it, I, like, I, I feel like the CG was really heavy here, um, and it didn't need to be. I think at this time, right, like with CG, they, they haven't figured out like uh, lighting yet. Like, yeah. Um, whenever you have something that is CG in the scene, the shading of it is all off because like they're in a lit room, but you can see that there's no reflections going off of it right, or yeah. shading. So I think nowadays a CG is a lot better because we've, right. we've, we we focus on a lot of other pieces. Like there's comp- like compositing that is on other aspects exactly, of, of yeah. shining materials. Like cause it's on tile. Exactly. And like there's no reflection on the tile exactly. or anything. And, and on top of that, like, the lighting's really off on it because, like, the creature itself is kind of dark. Yeah. But yet they're in a, a white, yeah. uh, fluorescent lit room. Exactly. So it's it's really interesting. Uh, one light flash and scream from the demon before the lights come back on. M goes to check on her dad who's still sitting unconscious on the wall. He wakes back up and she grabs his hand. Hannah comes over to him, sobbing as they both hug. Zadik um, covers the box with the tallet before picking it up. Cut to the girls sleeping with each other at their mom's house in the living room. Stephanie kisses them both before going into the kitchen where Clyde is casually making some breakfast like nothing even happened. <laughs> he greets her. She comes into she comes up to him all, all loving-like. It's just like, hmm, Brett had no teeth anyway. <laughs> Let's forget all this even happened. <laughs> he greets. Uh, he gives her a warm embrace before starting, um, starting her startling her with a cough. He smiles that it was just a cough. He calls uh, Sadiq, who's driving his car back to New York. He tells him to keep the car, not planning on going anywhere. Sadiq um, asks about his family, and uh, they are good. Clyde wonders what he's going to do with the box. He isn't sure. Planning on speaking with his father to see what they are going to do with it. They uh, say their goodbyes as Sadiq continues driving into the intersection, getting hit by a diesel truck. Everyone is checking in on him as the box lies in the middle of the street, Abazu chanting, then credits. I know that ending's bad, but I enjoy it. <laughs> I like that ending, actually. I'm glad to hear it. But it was obvious. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was just like, he's going to get fucking hit by yeah. the truck. Like, it's, it's, it's obvious. Um, you know, why are trucks bad at seeing things in movies? I don't know. But they just, just they don't see shit. He was on his phone. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're always on the phone. Who knows? But I I do, like I said, I think this movie's okay. Like, yeah. I, I have my gripes, as y'all could hear, but I think it's okay. I think it's I think okay it's as okay. well. Um, I think, for me in particular, I just love these types of movies. I, I like, yeah. I'm not going to argue with, like, what critics say about it, because sure. I think they're probably right, but... Yeah, I, I think any any uh, backlash on this movie is probably very much yeah. valid. <laughs> but I, I have a fun time watching this movie. It was it was Fair. cool to watch it again. Yeah, I I agree. I definitely agree. Um, but I got some movie facts for us here. Movie facts. The demon in the box does in fact speak Polish. Oh wow. Good job, Google Translate. <laughs> While promoting the film on the late late show with Craig Ferguson in two thousand and five. What? 2005. That's weird. I think that's just when it started. Um, air date was August 29th, 2012. That makes more sense. Dang, the day before the movie was released? Wait. It says that that was when it was, because the movie was released on the 31st yeah. of August. 
two days before the movie was released. Jeffrey Dean Morgan reported that strange incidents took place during production that couldn't be explained. Ooh. Lights exploding during the filming of key scenes in just two days after wrapping principal uh, photography. All of the props for the film stored in a case of, of reshoot, stored in a case just in, in case of reshoots were destroyed in a fire that mysteriously erupted within uh, the storage house. Whoa, damn. That's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. Uh, the film was re- originally rated R by the MPAA for violence, terror, and disturbing images, but the film was eventually edited to receive a PG-13 rating for mature thematic material involving violence and disturbing sequences. I think that's why there feels like there's good chunks missing from this movie. They probably wanted to get down to that PG-13 rating Yeah, I agree. and kind of lost a lot of the movie from that. Yeah. That's my assumption. I agree, because we probably had a scene of uh, the, Clyde being terrorized yeah. by himself. Because that felt so weird that he wasn't. Like, was he a, was in the house with the box yeah. by himself. There was a lot of strong setup, and it felt like they were very capable of executing. 100%. But I think because of this movie fact, maybe it gives us some perspective. True. Uh, the Psalm 91... That was read at Emma's bedside is the same used in another movie based on a dibbic called The Unborn. There is used to make a ritual exorcism. The Unborn. That one sounds familiar. I think that's the one where the sister. Yeah, it's a. I remember this movie. Uh, the Unborn was a, was about her, this girl who was possessed by her brother, who was a supposed to be her twin brother, but he died. And he lived on inside of her. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. The thing I remember the most about this movie that I thought was interesting with the unborn was um, her eye was slowly changed to blue. I remember that. Yeah. I don't think I watched the movie, but I remember advertisements of that. Yeah. I don't remember this movie being good either, but... When um, did it come out? Uh, 2009. Okay. It was with Odette Annabelle, um, who was... Pretty big during that time, I feel like. Uh, she's now in like Supergirl and stuff like that. If people have watched that show, she's in a show called Banshee as well. Uh, but also Cam Gigandet. Idris Alba was in it too. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But Cam Gigandet was another one who was in it. And that dude usually played like a fucking asshole all the time. <laughs> so it was weird seeing him in that one. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Rob LaBelle, Jay um, Brazu previously collaborated on Watchmen. That's right. That's cool. That's cool. Let's get some some, some juicy ones and then we'll go ahead and conclude this bad beasy. At the end, when the demon is in the box, it is speaking after the car crash. It says, quote, so many mushrooms sitting in the grass. That's what it says? I guess so. In Polish. Wow. Okay. Uh, oh, here's one that's a little bit more derived here as to why it says this. In the final scene after the accident, the line in the box is chanting in Polish, so many mushrooms in the grass sitting, um, is derived from a Polish nursery rhyme. According to fans of in Poland, it would be like the box creepily singing Ring Around the Rosie. Okay. Uh, the original song goes, quote, mushrooms growing in the grass, mushrooms, uh, mushrooms in the grass, mushrooms in the grass, and they look at the world curiously and look at the world curiously. What will it be? What will it be? So many mushrooms grow everywhere. What, uh, what will it be? What will it be? 
Um, Childrens are walking with baskets, with baskets, with baskets. Let's hide behind the bushes. Let's hide behind the bushes. Quietly, quietly, quietly. Quick, fast, very fast. You know, with that context, that's, that's actually pretty cool, especially because it's the taker of children. Yeah. Right? And Lauren in with nursery rhymes and a nursery rhyme that sounds like it's talking about look, look at the kids while we hide behind the bush. It's pretty good. It's pretty fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fitting. Uh, last one that we got here. Um, the, uh, first movie to feature the demon of Abazu is, um, as the main demon is a movie called, um, Oh, this is the first movie to feature the demon of Abazu. The a new film has featured Abazu called The Offering, and that came out last year. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I heard about this film, but I didn't hear anything good about it. Really, I, or bad? I didn't hear anything really about it. I've just heard of the film. I wonder if it's the same so concept it. about the box and all that. Maybe um, there are a lot of Jewish names here, so it does feel like it is going to be in Jewish lore. Um, I'm curious on this one. I, I heard someone talking about this one on the podcast, actually, uh, the offering. Um, and it, it, it did sound pretty interesting, uh, but it sounded like they were taking children and killing children to offer it to Abazu. Interesting. Yeah. Which also sounds pretty interesting as well. Yeah. So curious about that. Anyway, let us know what you think about the possession. You can let us know either on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod, or you can let us know on our Discord, which is inside the show notes. I don't know why I said it that way, but I said it that way. Discord. <laughs> um, but the next film that we're going to be covering is another Mike Flanagan classic, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Oh, that's the second one, right? That's the second one. It's a good one. Yeah. Can't wait. Fucking holy hell. I'm excited. I'm very excited. It's been a while. Been a while. This was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever, also known as Nightly. With your help, we can reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast app allows you to rate our show, consider us giving us five stars ratings because that honestly does help us out a lot in getting our name out there even more. For extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? Remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.